Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. Our small choices in life often have enormous consequences. Amen. I don't know whether you've experienced that, where you've made a small decision, conversation, and as a result of it, things built and changed and has changed the whole direction of your life. I promise you, if you haven't, it will happen. I was remembering probably the most important small decision I ever made was to make a phone call. It was one evening in London, quite a few years ago, I was meeting up with a few university friends, and we went to see a film. Uh, and afterwards, I was a little excited, thinking, what am I going to do the next day? It was a Saturday evening. And I remember I met this very attractive lady um, recently who told me about the church that she went to that sounded really a bit different from anything else I'd experienced. Quite unusual and intriguing. So I thought, well, I know it's half past ten at night, but hey, I'll phone her and see if I could come the next morning. What I didn't know was she lived in a house with two other girls and they'd had a series of nuisance phone calls recently. So um, when they didn't recognise the phone call, they would blow the whistle very hard down the phone. <laughs> Fortunately, I managed to get a couple of words out before the whistle, and um, as a result, I did manage to get an invite to the church and to lunch afterwards, um, and that changed my life. I mean, firstly, and most importantly, that very attractive lady sitting here on the front, <laughs> and is now, I'm very pleased to say, my wife, Nikki. <laughs> well, I didn't warn about that, by the way, so... <laughs> Um, and that built friendship as a chain, a link in the chain to where we are today. But also, um, equally importantly, um, it introduced me to an experience of church that I hadn't seen before. Um, and Abdullah just kind of reminded me that actually, much as our children love listening to this, they might want to go to a children's group, which I think Cheryl is now taking. So this is only children between, I think, school age, who would like to go and join and do their other activities. Uh, but if you want to stay, you're also welcome to do so. So I went to this church meeting, and uh, it was different. It felt real in a way I haven't often experienced. And yet it also felt very radical. It felt very much anointed by the Holy Spirit, and yet also very grounded in the Word of God. There was a real sense of genuine community. People talk to each other. Now these are not so uncommon now, but I, in those days, much less so churches like that. And so for the first time in my life, I met something where I thought, I want to give my life to this. I can see this as matters. This isn't, up to then I've been a good Christian, I'm very involved, I would attend church. And more than attend, I'd get involved to help. But if you said, was that the centre of my life, I would probably have to say, well, no, it's important. But it wasn't the centre. But what that, on that day, something started to change. That has shaped my life and our life ever since. I mean, as in many things, Nikki was already ahead of me. Uh, she had already made decisions when she left university to stay in a part of London that she did not particularly like or intend ever moving to, for the sake of being involved in this church. And then over the years, we made a series of decisions about where we live, 
the jobs that I took and the jobs that I didn't take, I was offered. The other things we got involved in, the hobbies and the interests, we decided them all in the light of this discovery, the church, Amen. which became the focus and centre of our lives. It shaped our lives. It even shaped things like our holidays. We would go to places where we could get involved in things as well as having a holiday. I can say it's been immensely rewarding. It's often been great fun. It's also sometimes been frustrating and very difficult, as we'll come to in a minute. But we would not change it for anything. Living for a biblical purpose transforms our lives. One of my favourite books is a little book called Requiem for a Wren. It's a fiction book. And the wren there is a naval officer. I never shoot. If you never come across it, probably most of you haven't. Uh, it's one of the best books I've ever read. And it's talking about a group of people after the Second World War, what happens to them. And the theme through all of it is, they went through the war, and it was pretty horrific, and pretty tough, um, and very difficult. But now afterwards, they're drifting. Because during that, they gave their lives for something bigger than themselves. They tasted what it was like to give your life for something that really mattered. And suddenly, it had gone. And I think many people, after the war, our parents, struggled to find meaning and purpose because they didn't have anything big like that. Well, I'm praying today, I pray, that God will stir you and me with that same passion for his church. Because I promise you, there is nothing else worth living for alongside the church that compares. I'm going to pray, in fact. Holy Spirit, I just ask you as an act of revelation in our hearts to change lives today, please. Give us a fresh understanding, a fresh passion for the wonder of the body of Christ here on earth and our call to be part of it. I pray you stir hearts, you sow seeds that will bear fruit for eternity. John Piper in America said this about the church. Church of Jesus Christ is the most important institution in the world. The assembly of the redeemed, that's us, the company of the saints, the children of God, are more significant in world history than any other group, organization, or nation. Any nation compares to the Church of Jesus Christ like a speck of dust compares to the sun. All the pomp of palaces, military parades, international sporting cups, even the one won yesterday, hmm. or Olympics, fade into a formless grey beside the splendour of the Bride of Christ. Take heed, take heed how you judge. Things are not what they seem. The media and all the powers and authorities and rulers, stars and influences present a mirage. The gates of hell, the power of death, will prevail against every organization, every man, every woman, but one, the church. Amen. I think that's a glorious description. And what we're going to now do is unpack it. That is a, a true description, of course, of the church overall, across the nations, across the world. And it's a true description of every functioning local church, even though we are all aspiring to get 
even some way closer to it. It doesn't matter how big or how little the church is. It's the blood of Christ. It doesn't matter how famous or unknown. It is God's gathering of his people. It is his body. And the potential, potential of that church is staggering. This is obviously part of a much longer story, and if Daniel was preaching here today, I know from his notes he would take us all through the Old Testament parts. I'm leaving that for him, I'm not going to take it. <laughs> Beyond to say that God is always looking for a human demonstration of him and his kingdom in this world. That is how he speaks to this world primarily. Incarnation. He started with one man, Abraham, and a family. He turned that into um, a broader family, and then he turned it into a nation, the people of Israel, and now he's turned it into this global community of believers we call the church. And we're here to demonstrate the glory of God, because he lives in his church. But I'm just going to talk a little bit about the New Testament pictures, just to give us a bit more context and understanding of what, what we're involved in, what you're doing here today. So the New Testament has really five pictures of the church to help us understand what we're about. The first picture that I'm going to choose is the picture of an army. This goes back to the Old Testament, the passage in Joel 2 describing the church as an army, but you remember Paul often uses military analogies, the armour of God. That whole passage in Ephesians 6 is not written to individuals, it's written to a church, church putting on a breastplate of truth. The church putting on the helmet of salvation. We are an army, and the reason we're an army is because we're in a battle. You sometimes hear it said the Christian life is like a battle. That is nonsense. The Christian life is a battle. There's no like about it. We have an enemy who is more powerful than each of us individually, who is cleverer than each of us. That's why he trips us up so often. And his main attack is on any church that is moving forward in his purposes. That's where he works most. I mean, it seems strange, doesn't it? And we don't think about that, but actually, the enemy is attacking the church more than anything else, because the church is the body of Jesus, the one he hates. So we need to recognise we're in a battle, we are an army, there is a sense of purpose and discipline about this. This isn't just a cushy thing that we're involved with. They used to say, the church is not a hospital ship, just looking after people. It's a battleship, mm. into battle and mm. taking the battle to the enemy. In fact, I think there is now a better picture, if you want to follow the naval analogy, in the church is an aircraft carrier. You and I are like those planes that go off into our families, our communities, our places of work, and, and fight the enemy and bring the kingdom. And then we come back to each other to our friendships, to our meetings, to our prayers. Like coming back to the aircraft carrier, to be refueled, to be given new instructions, to be given rest. Amen. So that's what we're doing today. Mm. You are launched from here when we go into your families, your communities, your workplace to bring the kingdom of God. Secondly, the church is a family. This is what we use often. It's not actually directly referred to in scripture, it's indirect. Scripture talks about brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and being a household of God. And it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? It's a picture of acceptance. It's a picture of 
bring it home. Church is the place where you and I can be most truly at home when it's working well. We are a family. There's a real strength to that. There are, I think, also dangers to that. Just like in the army, there's a danger that that becomes a bit too impersonal and driven. There's a danger with the family thing that we get a bit cosy and inward looking. We need to remember that we are also these other things, an army. And I think these two between them, these first two, explain a bit why church is often hard. Have you found church hard sometimes, or is it just me? <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thank you, man. Church can be rough. It can be difficult. It can be painful. And I think these two explain it a bit. You see, families can be tough. Oh, they might Because we're engaged closely. We're committed to each other. We know each other well. They matter. And, and church matters to us. So when you don't get that call to come and help on that team or that opportunity to do the thing you feel you should be doing, it matters, doesn't it? It hurts. So I think church is painful sometimes because we're family. It's painful also because we have an enemy. And he's always trying to come in and cause, above everything else, disunity. There's that picture, isn't there? It's not a picture, it's a story of Paul saying goodbye to his dear friends, the, the elders of Ephesus. He's on the beach and he's talking to them. And he, and, and he breaks down in tears as he leaves them because he knows he'll never see them again. But his main thing that he says is, watch out, protect the people, the wolves are coming. By that he meant the attacks of the enemy, which may come through individuals, may come through disunity, that's the main attack on a church, may come through false teaching. Watch out for the wolves. I love this church for many things, but largely for the unity that we have between each other. I never find any sense of competition I love these other three guys I serve with. We just get on so well. We have a great time. I love my, most of the time, my Telus group. Careful now. But there is no sense of factions or disunity. I really pray we keep that. It's of such value, but it's something the enemy will try and attack. So church can be painful. The third and most common picture for the church in the Bible is what? Referred to it this morning already. Let's see if anyone's awake. We'll come to bride in the end, thank you. There's one other, still begins with B, isn't it? Body! We are the body of Christ. Jesus is on earth today, here. We are his body. That's an immensely physical term. 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. Just think about it for a minute. We just use the phrase quite glibly. We are the body of Jesus. We live in a very individualistic world where we often see salvation as me and Jesus. And I'm going to go to heaven, which is true. But actually, that's not what it's about. It's about being part of a body. All of us, part of a body of Christ. He is the head. He lives in. He works through. This is his body. It's an immensely powerful picture. Colossians 1 verse 18. He is the head of the body. The church. Colossians 2 19. 
talks about a body which has ligaments and sinews. This is a very detailed body. There are things that link us, that enable us to work together, which grows together. I think we can, I just encourage you, go and, go and meditate on, look up the verses about being part of the body of Christ, because I think that's probably the central image that God wants us to walk away from, that we are part of a body, that you and I are called to be part. Not to be a loose little part of a body stuck out somewhere on its own. It can't do anything. But be part of a body joined together. The fourth thing is the church declares the wisdom of God. The church is the agent of the kingdom. Jesus, when he came, didn't talk much about the church, did he? He talked a lot about the kingdom. So the kingdom has come. And we are the agents of the kingdom. Kingdom births the church, we bring the kingdom. And this is demonstrated very clearly in Ephesians 3, verse 10, which I think is a remarkable verse. His intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, this church, you and me, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's eternal purpose, the centre of it, which Jesus accomplished in his life and death and resurrection, is that there would be a church that would demonstrate every aspect of his wisdom to the world that he created and still loves, even though it has gone so far from That is what you and I are called to do. That's what we're involved in. That's what we're doing when we do church. We're declaring the wonderful perfection and effectiveness to the, of the wisdom of God. Not just to the world, actually. We're, de we're declaring it to spiritual powers and authorities. There is a battle, but I think in the West we're probably far too unaware of. But we are declaring the wisdom of God to satanic powers in spiritual places. Every time we meet like this to worship on Sunday. We're declaring the wisdom of God. Amen. Every time you go to group, online or virtually, you're declaring the wisdom of God. Every time we come and pray together. Every time we phone one another. Every time we pop in on one another. Every time we are in our workplaces, we are declaring the wisdom of God. Our lives reflect His glory. I think, and I, I wish I had time to get one. I'd love to have a prism, you know what I mean? One of those triangular things. Because what happens when the light comes in, it scatters it, doesn't it, into a rainbow. Yeah. And that is what this picture is. The light of the glory of God is like a pure white light that the world can't understand. But it hits us, this prism, and out of it comes lots of colours that people can recognise. Out of it comes matte being blue. I can't remember the football team, but you have to live with that one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is that okay? <laughs> Sorry, I'm, 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 I think it's age, but I'm starting to struggle with age, so I'll, I won't follow this one too much. <laughs> you choose your own colour, okay? So we're part of that prison, scattering the light of the glory of God to the world around us. And then lastly, and most beautifully and intimately, we are the bride of Christ.
Ephesians 5.25 tells us, Christ loves us and gave himself up for the church to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. Story ends with a wedding feast. We have the great joy of the daughter getting married in 10 minutes' time. I haven't seen the dress, and you're allowed to. But I know a lot of thought and efforts went into it. And money. <laughs> <laughs> it is special. It has no wrinkles. It has no blemishes. It has no stains. It is pure. And that way, we wonder. But even more, it's a picture to us of what we will be one day in the wedding feast of the Lamb. And I think it's just beautiful that the story of the church ends like that with a wedding feast that you and I are invited to. And Jesus gave his life for that we could be there. Yeah. If he hadn't, we would have no right to be there. We don't have any white gowns that aren't without stable motion. They don't like your life and mine isn't. But he promises. He invites us says it's going to end with a glorious wedding feast. We're also, of course, part of the wider church. Everywhere where Jesus is honoured as the head is his body. Whether it be a village, a town, a city, a nation. And every church, I think, is called to look outwards and to plant more local churches because the hope of the world is the local church. And we have a, a bit of news today about that. That we, as a church, are going to get involved in doing this, in planting another church. Even as we started uh, Trinity Church London those years ago, there was a meeting in Victoria where God started speaking about a church to be planted in the second city of this nation, which is Birmingham, and calling people to be involved. And, and there was a growing sense right at the beginning that one family we're going to be spearheading this, and I'm going to ask um, that family, or at least those that are in the room, to come to the front, which is Abdullah and Nam. Let's give them a round of applause. <laughs> so, um, they have had a great sense from God that they should be involved in this move to plant a church in Birmingham. They have a passion to see Jesus known in a, in a variety of communities, Muslim communities, but others as well. They're going to tell us much more about it at a future occasion. Um, and it's hugely exciting for them and rather sad for us, isn't it? We're going to lose some very good friends and special people. They're not likely to be going before at least the middle of next year, so it's not immediate. But they're starting to plan and to pray and we wanted to tell you so we can all be involved in planning and praying with them for this. Because we as a church are going to be saving them and we're involved. So I thought I was just going to speak for a minute or two just to give us some background um, and then we're going to pray for them. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do. No, I'll keep this short. Um, we would love to share how God this, what, what God did in our hearts for all these times that we, are, we have been carrying this. But today, at this stage, we just want to say um, 
Thank you. Trinity Church London, thank you for being that family away from family for us. Thank you for standing by us. Thank you for encouraging us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for accepting us and making us part of this family. And as Charles said, yes, it is exciting, but at the same time, it will be difficult for us as well because it's almost like uprooting a tree, uprooting something and then planting it somewhere else. So we would be leaving a number of family members behind, a number of friends behind. It will be challenging, but at the same time, God's name will be made famous. Many will come to know Christ through what you and us be doing together, sending us. So thank you. Thank you. to pray for them many times. So let's just pray now. So just, if you'd like to stand, reach out your hands. I'll pray for them. You join in at the same time. Let's all just pray aloud. This is the launch of something this morning. So let's pray it. So let's raise our voices and just pray for them. And for the children. Even from Amen. <coughs> Let's remember to keep praying for them and for the children, for Shifa and for Isaac. This is a big thing. Lots of uncertainties and changes. Um, and do come afterwards and over lunch and chat to them. I'm sure they'll tell you a bit more. You know, I really sense from God there's a number of you here who are going to be involved in part of churches in the next few years. Hallelujah. Just felt that drop into my heart. I'm not going to name names that I can, I can sense some in my heart. <laughs> I might tell you afterwards. <laughs> But God is speaking to them. Yeah. He's speaking. Hallelujah. And if you feel stirred by that, just put that seed away. He will water it. Yeah. There will be a time in for it. But there are people here who are going to be core to starting churches. We've done it, I think we've done it three times. I've done it twice, haven't it here? And it is a great adventure and a great challenge and an enormous privilege. So if God's fed that to you, then please just keep it in your heart. So just as we end, I think there are four categories of people here this morning. There may be some of us who have not yet encountered Jesus personally for yourself, so probably nearly everything I've said has made no sense whatsoever. Because without him, this is meaningless. Without him, the church is just another club or society. But I bet you would have been touched by something this morning. You would have had a sense of something in your heart from during the worship and what we've been saying. Because Jesus loves you. He paid an enormous price for you to be with him forever. If that is you today, then come and ask someone you've come with, come and speak to one of us afterwards, and we will point you the way 
to join the journey we're on following Jesus. There may be quite a few of us here today who are attending but haven't really joined or been added to. Now, I know we're doing this in a few weeks' time, I'll explain that in a moment. But, you, but there are a lot of us here who we feel this is our church, but you may just be here and you haven't been joined or added. The body of Christ needs you. It needs you as a fully functioning car, either here or somewhere else. If you haven't joined, somebody's missing you. So find the place where you want to give your life to. Find, throw yourself into this glorious calling, either here or elsewhere. Don't fret your life away on small things like career and money and fame that will not last eternally. Give it, throw it into something that is so much bigger and more meaningful and will last forever. A few weeks' time, on Sunday the 3rd of October, we are going to, as it were, launch ourselves formally as a church. We're going to appoint leadership as elders and we're going to, as it were, create members. Now, a number of you will have had the chance to go through um, our membership. Of course, some of us have been with us from the beginning and have already signed up for this. Um, a number of you are going through courses. We're trying to organise as many sessions and conversations as possible before then, so we can have as many people standing up and saying, I'm drunk. So when we do that, we make promises. So the leaders make promises to the rest of us. We make promises to each other, because that's what this is about. So we're looking forward to that Sunday. Be here on that day, pray about whether you want to throw your lot, as of now, into what God's doing here mm. and be part of that body. You may be hurt or damaged by church and leadership. You might find it harder to trust or get involved. I understand. I have been deeply at times. I'm sorry it comes with the territory because of what we said before, because this matters and because we have an enemy and every church we're in is involved. The vision's still there. The potential is still there. I have sometimes, occasionally, and Nikki will say this is a very rare occurrence, cried while singing a song about the church, while I'm struggling with what I'm seeing, but I'm reaching for what I know God has. Amen. So I would say if you're hurt, look to Jesus. He knows. He understands. He will come in gentleness to heal that hurt, even this morning. When we respond with a song in a few minutes, just give him, if you can, and I know this isn't easy, that hurt, because he wants to come and do that. It says in Hebrews, fix your eyes on the one who for the joy set before him, the joy of the cross, scorning its shame, that was Jesus. And the joy set before him is us. Consider him, who endured such opposition from sinful men, so you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him this morning. And lastly, you may be running well, but feeling weary and tired. I think probably all of us are a bit in this season. Feeling a bit run down, a bit challenged. I just want to encourage you today. I hope I have. I hope God has with what we're involved in. I want to encourage you to rejoice. You are bringing in the kingdom of God every day. 
might be part of his body. You're declaring the wisdom of God to powers and principalities every day. You're part of the greatest adventure on planet Earth. Amen. So be strong, be sturdy, be encouraged, even in these difficult times. Can the band come back, please?